I titled this sermon, Abiding in Christ. How many know that Christ is not Jesus' last name? <laughs> That's just the Greek word for Messiah, the anointed one. So we'll start here in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. And abiding in Christ begins with an invitation, first of all. Come to me, Jesus said, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. How many are tired ever? I get tired sometimes. Praise God. I wish I never had to sleep. There's so much to do, so much to read, so many people to meet. I wish I never had to sleep. But the truth of the matter is that God has designed our bodies to, every so often we're supposed to sleep and get rested and refreshed. This, by the way, because the Gospels have been put together with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, this is the first invitation in the Gospels from Jesus, inviting people, come to me, he said, and I will give you rest. All you who labor and are heavy laden. I work in construction, and sometimes it's pretty hard. We uh, actually have to move a bunch of uh, five foot by ten foot, uh, one inch thick countertops next week, and man, even with four people, they're heavy. Praise God. In the New International Version, it says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. In the, the I think you pronounce it, the Rhymes, or Rhymes New Testament, Jesus' words are translated, I will refresh you. How many knew a good night's sleep is refreshing? Wake up. Oh, right. I don't like to wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and be wide awake and think, man, 2 o'clock in the morning. I don't have to get up till 5 or 6. Oh, man. So occasionally when God wakes me up in the middle of the night, I go pray. Praise God. In fact, somebody put that on Facebook recently. Uh, if God wakes you up in the middle of the night, uh, maybe because he wants to talk to you. <laughs> Praise God. In John chapter 14, Verse 6, Jesus tells Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So those bumper stickers that I have a problem with coexist with all the different religious symbols. It bothers me because that shows an underst or lack of understanding of who Jesus is. Jesus, when he says, I am, there's like six or seven or eight times in the Gospel of John where Jesus says, I am the door. I am the shepherd. I am this or that. I am the way, the truth, and the life. When he's literally saying is, that's the name of God in the Old Testament. When Moses spoke to God, God speaks to him out of the burning bush in the Old Testament. You all pretty much know this story. He, Moses says, uh, God, what's your name? So I can tell the people who sent me. And he says, well, just tell them I am sent you. And so that's really one of the reasons why Jesus was crucified. Because to the religious leaders in the, that day, Jesus is telling them, I'm God. Now it's pretty unusual for a human being to come up and tell everybody, hey, I'm God. <laughs> one day one of my grandsons was acting, and uh, he, uh, he's about three or four years old. He goes, Grandpa, I'm Batman. Oh, that's pretty cool. And he comes up, I'm Superman. <laughs> and he comes up to me and says, Grandpa, 
I'm God. <laughs> so I start laughing, and he says, God's not funny. <laughs> but he had this idea that God's so serious, you know. But in effect, he was also saying, God is awesome. Amen? Praise God. No one, there's no way, the only way to come to God is through Jesus. Why is that? Because first of all, God is holy. And He can't, the Bible says in Isaiah that our sins separate us from God. But God is not indifferent to sin. He made a way. He wants to have relationship with us. Think of God as the best dad in the whole universe. Loves us. Wants the best for you and I. But like most children, <laughs> we have a tendency to ignore God and say, no, I'm going to do my own thing and I know better. We become spiritual teenagers. We reach the age of infinite wisdom where we know better. But God has made a way for us when we fall flat on our face. We hit rock bottom. There's only one way to look, and that's up. We look to Jesus. The Bible says in Isaiah, Look unto me, all ye ends of the earth, and be ye saved. For I am God, and there is no other. There is no other way to get right with God except through Jesus. I like the, uh, when we first started going to the 22nd Street Church, the pastor, he made a statement one day. He's saying, all preaching should inspire faith in the unquestionable success of Jesus' sacrifice. Think about that. Jesus' sacrifice is unquestionably successful because it did what God wanted to do. It separated or it broke down the barrier between us and God. It eliminated it. And we'll look at that further on this morning. Funny thing is, in Acts chapter 9, Saul of Tarsus, they just murdered uh, Stephen, the uh, disciple, and he's on his way to Damascus. He's heading out. Man, I got authority to go and arrest anyone who adheres to what they called the way in those days. Jesus, being believed on, was known as, before they were called Christians, as the way, followers of the way. So he's on his way to get those that are on their way to heaven, and God meets him. Boom! Knocks him off his, whatever he's riding, blinds him, and speaks audibly to him. Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he knows it's the Lord, but then he doesn't know it's Jesus. And God speaks to him and says, you know, I've been touching you, and I've been touching you, and I've been poking you, and I'm trying to get your attention, and this is what it takes. I hope it doesn't take that much to get our attention. God blinding us because we need to see where we're going. <clears throat> anyway, John chapter 8, verse 32. Jesus in fourteen, chapter 14, verse 6 of John, he says, I am the truth. In chapter 8, verse 32, Jesus said, You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. When he speaks and says, if you're laboring and heavy laden or you're weary and burdened, according to Vine's dictionary of, uh, expository dictionary of Greek New Testament words, 
This is metaphorically speaking. It's not literal physical tiredness. It's a pile of religious rules that he was talking about that all these people, the, 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 the Pharisees and, and everybody had piled, according to Dake's uh, uh, annotated Bible, there are 2,173 commands in the law of Moses. How many have ever broken one of the Ten Commandments? <laughs> 2,173! Oh my goodness! Who can follow all those? Not only that, there's 930 commands in the New Testament. That's over 3,000 rules. Who can follow all those rules? Who even knows all those rules? This is what Jesus is talking about. <laughs> Guess what? Jesus is telling them, you can't follow all the rules. Or yes, I can, God. Oh, no, you can't. And because you can't, I will help you. Isn't that an awesome offer? God offers to help us. Praise God. The burden. According to Matthew Henry, the burden is not only all these rules that we can't follow, but it's to be understood to mean the burden of sin. Both the guilt of sin. How many have ever been guilty? I have. Lots of times. But it also is talking about the power of sin. Before I got saved, and even after I got saved, struggling with stuff, with sin, because it's not just something you do. It's a power. Jesus came to break the power of sin and to destroy the works of the devil. Praise God. In John chapter 16, verses 8-11, through 11, Jesus is telling His disciples, I have to go. But, I'm going to send My Holy Spirit. He's going to be just like Me, except you won't be able to see Him. Be like the wind. You can see the wind moving the trees, but you can't, and you can see the effect, but you can't see the wind. Same with the Holy Spirit. You can't see the Holy Spirit, but you can see the effect of the Holy Spirit. People getting their lives touched. I love this story one time. Uh, I believe it was um, William Booth of the Salvation Army. Somebody confronted him and said, you know, I don't believe in your God. He can't do miracles. He said, oh, really? Talk to this man down the street here, living in the tenement with his family and his wife. God performed a miracle in that man's life. He transformed the alcohol that that man used to spend all his money on to food for his kids and clothes for his kids. If that's not a miracle, I don't know what is. I spent lots of money before I got saved on stuff that was worthless. Praise God. But God has changed my life. And Jesus is telling His disciples, the Holy Spirit's going to come. And He will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. <clears throat> John chapter 8, verse 24, Jesus said, If you do not believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. That's a pretty heavy duty statement. If you don't believe Jesus is who He says He is, it says that you will die in your sins. So He wants to give us some hope because in verse 10 He says, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more until He comes back. 
And I found an interest in Scripture, one of the ones that convinced me, and it's the gospel in a nutshell. And it's Paul's second letter to the Corinthians in chapter 5, verse 21. It says, Jesus was made to become sin for us in order to make us the righteousness of God in Him. And so the title of my sermon is Abiding in Christ. So once you get Christ in you, you are in Christ And you have been given the righteousness of God. Not your own righteousness. Because our own righteousness, in Isaiah it says, are as filthy rags before God. All our good works, apart from Jesus, are worthless and useless. Once we become saved and we come in Christ, we get in Christ by asking Christ to become saved. Our Lord and Savior, once you get into that status or standing before God, then the righteousness of God works in you. And God will give you inspiration and direction for things to do, things to say, where to spend your money, how to help the kingdom of God grow in advance. Praise God. Verse 11, he says that, Uh, He's also going to convict the world of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. How many know that there is a real devil? But he's not everywhere at the same time. He's not omnipotent like God. He's a created being. There is a kingdom of darkness, but the kingdom of God has been prophesied, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, of the increase of his government. And peace, there shall be no end. Daniel the prophet uh, 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 interpreted the dream of King Nebuchadnezzar. The end of the dream, a great rock comes from out of nowhere, smashes the statue, grinds it to powder, and then the great rock increases and fills everything. In Ephesians, Paul prays for the believers to understand and to know God because Jesus wants to fill all in all. I don't understand it all, but I do know this, that someday Jesus is coming back and He's going to make everything right. Praise God. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15, when we get saved, this is what happens. You, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh or your sinful nature, which is morally powerless to do right, He has made alive together with Him, having forgiven you all trespasses. That's the glory of the kingdom of God. That's the power of the cross. You can be forgiven for everything. Everything. No matter what you've done, no matter what your attitudes are, God's forgiveness is for everything. There's only one thing that will never be forgiven, and that's not believing in Jesus. Praise God. Sorry, I don't mean to yell. <laughs> but verse 14, I get excited. I love to preach. This is what God has saved me for. Having wiped out the handwriting of 3,000 rules or requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, He's taken it out of the way, nailed it to the cross, and He disarmed or spoiled principalities and powers. The kingdom of darkness has been defeated. He made a public spectacle of the enemy, of your soul, triumphing over 
the power of darkness by the cross. Everybody should be familiar with John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world, not the earth, but the people. God so loves the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish. Whosoever, but have eternal life. And verse 17 couples with it because you have to remember God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him would be saved. Praise God. Let's go to the next Scripture. Glory to God! Jesus said, You did not choose Me, but I chose you. God chose you. God chooses. It's not like the kids, you know, in school when uh, they want to choose teams for whatever sport it is, you know, and and they get the two biggest athletic guys. They're going to be the captain of each team, and they start choosing. Oh, say so-and-so. And then, you know, the, the nerds are standing there and like, anybody going to choose me? Oh, sorry, you know, you, you can be the water boy. No, God chooses everyone. God wants everyone to be saved and appointed or commissioned. Everyone who puts their faith and trust in Jesus, everyone who believes that Jesus is their Lord, everyone who invites Jesus to be their Lord and Savior, once that happens, you are now commissioned and appointed and given authority to tell everybody about Jesus. Kathy and I were talking the other day, and she said when she first started coming to the little church that we were in, since that day, even before that, I've been telling people about Jesus. I've been trying to win souls to Jesus. I got the nickname Preacher at the Carpenters that I work with. And it stuck with me because I'm trying to win souls to Jesus. You and I have been commissioned to try to win the lost. Hallelujah. Appointed us that we should go and bear fruit and that our fruit should remain. How many know that this is for the rest of your life? Once you give your life to Jesus, it's for the end. All the way until the end. Hallelujah. Praise God. And why should our fruit remain? Because He said that whatever you ask the Father in My name, He may give you. Now let's read this a little differently. You do not choose Me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Put a period there. Now start another sentence. And so that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in My name, He may give you. You can ask God for anything. And it says He'll give it to you. Really? God, I want to win the lottery. I want a million dollars. <laughs> God, I need more money. Here, how about some overtime? You mean I have to work for it? <laughs> yes, it's usually the way to get money is work for it. <laughs> Praise God. God wants to be glorified. John chapter 6, verse 44. Jesus said, I chose you. Not only that, He says in John chapter 6, verse 44, No one can come to Me unless the Father who sent Me draws them, and I will raise him up at the last day. This word draw is a Greek word from Strong's Concordance. The Greek word helko means to drag. Not, not, you know, not a drag. Oh man, what a drag. No, 
It means to drag. God is reaching out. The Father in heaven is reaching out to drag you to His throne. Come on, come on. Let's get going. Come here. Come to the throne of grace. It's free. It cost Jesus His life, but it's free to you and I. It's dragging people. I don't want to really be dragged. I want to willingly go, you know. Come on, God. I need you, God. Help me. Praise God. John chapter 12, verse 31 and 32. Jesus said, Now, he's predicting his crucifixion, is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. Not just a select few. All peoples. The gospel is for every soul on the planet earth. Jesus, I mean, that just boggles my mind. Jesus died for every single sin. Every single soul. What a price. What a cost. Not a, he said when He gave up the, His Spirit and He died physically on the cross, it is finished. In one of the Gospels it said, He gave a victory sound. Yeah! Did it! Not like, oh, you know, the, they show in the movies, Jesus is up there whimpering. No! He's victorious! He's mighty! Praise God. I used to wish I was big, you know, six foot eight and 350 pounds of muscle. Probably better than I wasn't. I probably would have been a bully. <laughs> but he's our champion. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 9 says these words, But, beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation. The word salvation, if you look it up in the dictionary, means to be set free from the power of sin and the consequences of sin. Glory to God. How many long to be set free? How many know God's not done with us? He's still, still got more to do. Hallelujah. Let's go to the next verse. Jesus says, I am. Here's that phrase again. Jesus telling everybody, I'm God. I am the true vine, not the fake vine. One of the things that <laughs> kind of, uh, I don't know. I have a hobby of, uh, you know, I like to make plants grow and make them look nice and, and, uh, I really don't like fake plants. Silk plants, you know, they look kind of nice. But it's not the real deal. Jesus is not the fake vine. He's the true vine, a real vine that has life. Hallelujah. I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, He prunes that it may bear more fruit. Thank God He's not done with us. There's stuff in us, the attitudes and, 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 and things in our minds that God still wants to get out of us and, and remove from us. But there's also, the, the Bible talks about uh, the fruits of the Spirit. Gentleness, peace, joy, long-suffering, patience. If you don't have those things, seek God and He'll help you get them working in your life. <clears throat> most people uh, you see it all over the place driving along you know 
lot of people, once they get behind the wheel, they no longer have the fruits of the Spirit. <laughs> it's like, whoa, you put your signal on, there's room behind you, next to you to get in the lane, you put your signal on, and the car in that lane speeds up so you can't get in. It's like, why did you do that? <laughs> fruits of the Spirit. Have anybody ever been, uh, actually let me put it this way, I went to a class on pruning at the uh, U of A Garden Extension Center. And it's very interesting. In order to get uh, grapevines to get you more fruit, you prune them way back. In order to get fruit trees to give you more fruit, you prune them way back. If you ever drive past the uh, uh, pecan groves down there, sometimes you'll see they cut them back. But not every plant needs to be cut back to look good. Sometimes, like, you know, you have to cut out the dead wood because insects can get in and eat the plant. <clears throat> but he goes on to say, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Isn't it wonderful to be clean before God? It's the word of God. That makes us clean. Hallelujah. It also says, well, we'll get to that later. Verse 4, he says, Abide in me and I in you. In the New International Version, he says, Remain in me. He wants us to continue living for him to the end of our lives. Because if we remain or abide in him, we're connected to the, the vine. We draw our nutrition from the vine. If the branch gets cut off, guess what happens to the branch? It withers. So he goes on to say, abide in me because you can't bear fruit all by yourself. Lone Ranger Christians usually have strange ideas. So just because you're a, 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 a Officially recognized by the government church doesn't mean that the government comes in and tells you what to preach. Some people have that idea, oh, you know, they're, they're indoctrinating you because the government's in. No, they're not. In this church, we, when we preach, we pray, God, give me words to speak. Give me a message for your people. Tell me, God, what you want. We don't ask the government to tell us anything. What nonsense. Some countries, the government tells the churches what to do, but not in this country. Thank God for that. So, where were we? You are already clean. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 26 the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he tells him, what may I do to inherit eternal life? He tells him this, that, and the other thing. And then he says, oh, I've done all that. He says, well, you're lacking one thing. Sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. And the Bible says the rich, isn't that interesting? It's rich and young. Those are our celebrities today. They're rich and they're young. They're stars on movies and they play music and, and, uh, and now they're supposedly authorities because they're rich and young. And this guy goes away sad. <laughs> what? Give up my old life? Give up my fame and fortune? What are people going to think of me? Don't worry about what people think of you. Worry about what God thinks of you. And you say amen. 
And the rich young ruler goes away sad. And the disciples look at that and they tell Jesus, who then can be saved? And what does Jesus tell them? With men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Salvation comes from God. Hallelujah. And let's go to the next slide. Here he says again, I am the vine. You are the branches. Say it with me. I am a branch. (laughs) Praise God. (laughs) He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and withered. They gather them and throw them into the fire, and what happens is they're burned up. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. What an awesome promise. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. How many believe that? Ask God what you desire. Well, what if you desire the wrong things? (laughs) Praise God. Psalm 37 has the answer. Verse 3 says to trust in God. Verse 4 says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. Because when you delight yourself in God and the Lord, He changes your desires, and He changes your heart. And uh, Jeremiah says, I'll take out the stony heart, and I'll put a new heart in you and a new spirit in you. And you'll think differently, and you'll act differently, and you'll speak differently. And you'll have different desires. You'll desire the kingdom of heaven to grow and advance. Hallelujah. And he says, if as a result, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. All kinds of fruit. Fruits of the Spirit. Fruits of souls being one. Fruits of blessing in your life. I love what a God tells uh, Abraham that the blessing will come down upon you. Will like chase after you and overtake you and spread out from you. The presence of God. What a blessing. What a great thing. What a promise. Not only is God pursuing us, not only is the blessing of God going to come down on us, it's going to overtake us and it's going to spread out from us. Hallelujah. You watch what God will do in these upcoming years. As you live for God, and the blessing of God comes upon you, family members, people you know, God's going to touch them, and blessing from God will come upon them. And they won't even know it's from God at first. And they'll say, hey, guess what happened? Back in 1987 in October, there was a stock market crash. Just so happened that just before the stock market crash, my dad sold a bunch of stocks and bought a house for my wife and I and our family here in Tucson. They're back in New York. If he hadn't sold those stocks when he did, he would have lost a bunch of money. <laughs> it's the blessing of God spreading out from us, touching other people's lives. Hallelujah. 
How many know also that God wants us to be his disciples? A disciple is a learner, someone who is learning. I love to read, always trying to find out new information, new stuff, illustrations for sermons. Praise God. How many know who Woodrow Wilson was? He was not a pastor. He was a president of the United States, rather reluctantly, but he was the first person elected as the president of Princeton University, which was originally founded as a seminary to train ministers of the gospel. He was the first person who was not a minister elected to the presidency of Princeton University. He was a born-again Christian. He did not want to get the United States involved in the war, but unfortunately had to get involved in World War I. He died this day in 1924 went to be with Jesus. The reason that he's famous is because he started what's known as today the United Nations. But they started it as the League of Nations originally to promote peace in the world. That's why they started it. Enough said about that. It's a mess. <laughs> but Jesus said in verse 7, If my words abide or remain, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will have the desires of our heart. In John chapter 8, verse 31, 32, Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. This is one of the scripture verses that got my attention before I got saved. I read that and I thought, I want to know the truth. I, at that time, I was studying to be a Catholic priest, and we were studying philosophy, and we were supposed to be reading the Bible, and I read that, and I said, yeah, I want to know the truth. Hallelujah. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Here's a wonderful thing about the Word of God. It was not originally having numbers and chapters, but now we have lots of three sixteens that you can memorize. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. We worship God in song to begin the service because it ushers in an atmosphere of worship. We want God to touch our lives. Can you say amen? Singing. I love some of the songs that are on the radio, on the Christian radio stations. Wow. How do they think of these things? What awesome words they put together. And music is like, wow. It's because God's in it. Praise God. And let's see. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain or abide in you that your joy may be full. How many need a little joy? I do sometimes. Get kind of grumpy sometimes. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It says these words about Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the suffering of the cross, despising its shame, and is now sat down at the right hand of the Father in heaven. 
I'm sure that going to the cross was not his idea of a fun day. It, if you read it, it's a wonder he didn't die before getting crucified. They tore him up. As we, I mentioned uh, in another uh, sermon, that the Roman soldiers were able to torture the people that were going to be crucified however they wanted to. And some Roman historian wrote and said sometimes they would disgust themselves. They would torture them so badly. Jesus went to the cross because he looked beyond the cross. There was joy involved. These things I've spoken to you, he said, that your joy, my joy, may remain in you. How many know you can have joy in the midst of difficult circumstances? Think about, if anything else, God loves me. God loves me. God first loved me before I loved him. God loved me and still loves me with an everlasting love. Hallelujah. This is my commandment, he says. There's really only one commandment. Love one another. Because if you love one another properly, the way God wants us to, it'll solve all the world's problems. All of them. Even global warming. Because... Heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will not pass away, Jesus said. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth where nothing gets corrupted. There's no wear and tear in the new heavens and the new earth. Glory to God. This whole universe is subject to frustration, the Bible says, in hopes that people will put their trust in God and in Jesus because as we get older, our bodies wear out. Not supposed to be that way. It never was supposed to be in the beginning. From the very beginning, it was never supposed to be that we grow old and die. That's not God's plan. Never was. God's plan is for us to be His friends. God's plan is for us to be blessed by Him. God's plan is for us to be so in love with Him. Oh, <laughs> praise God. Hallelujah. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life, their own personal interests for their friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. And he commands us, just love one another. This is my commandment. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 through 11. This is what convinced me that God loved me. Because I couldn't believe God loved me until I read this. And I'll look it up real quick because I'm running out of time. But I put a marker in my Bible so I can find it real quick. When we were still without strength, in due season or just at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That was you and I before we received Jesus. We were ungodly before we received Jesus. Without Jesus as the Lord of your life, you're ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous person, somebody will die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God proves his love toward us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then my, one of my favorite phrases in Paul's letter to the Romans in chapter 5, much more. Beyond your wildest imaginations, beyond anything you could really, really grasp fully, much more than having now been justified or made right in God's eyes by His blood. Justified. 
It, once you receive Jesus, it's just if, it's, just if I'd never sinned. Justified. Set free from the power and the penalty of sin. Hallelujah. Justified, never sinned. By His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through Him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Jesus is alive forevermore. He's resurrected from the dead, never to die again. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's alive forevermore. Right now the Bible says that He is sitting at the right hand of God making intercession for us. Did you know that God's praying for you? Jesus is praying for you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. What a Savior. Greater love has no one than to lay down their life for His friends. Much more. One, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. As believers in Christ, you and I have been commissioned as ambassadors for Jesus to reach out to the lost and tell people, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to one another. It's the ministry of reconciliation. Bring back together what God rightfully wants for our lives. Jesus said in verse 14, You are my friends if you do whatever I commandment, command you. And this is His commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. These things I command you, that you love one another. Not a ooey-gooey feeling. It's a commitment. As Rabbi Zacharias proclaimed, he says, uh, he told his brother, uh, yeah, mom is going to get in touch with the uh, matchmaker over in India and get me a wife. Said, well, what if you don't love her? I will choose to love her. That's what real love is. It's a choice. Praise God. I'll close with this. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 is another one of those wonderful 316s. 1 Timothy chapter 3.16 Without controversy, great is the mystery, the hidden truth revealed of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. That's Jesus. Justified in the Spirit. That's Jesus. Seen by angels. That's Jesus. When He prayed in the garden, angels came and ministered to Him. They saw them. Preached among the Gentiles. That's you and I. Everyone who is not Jewish is a Gentile. Jesus is preached to the Gentiles. Believed on in the world. And received up in glory. With the promise that He's coming back. Like a thief in the night. No one knows the hour of the day. Be ready. Praise God. Let's close in prayer. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.